0: Welcome to The Well Podcast. We pray that this message ministers to you and blesses you as you listen. It's been a few weeks ago. It was, I think it was the service before our last service um, at the barn. And uh, during our service, God just began to cry out in our spirits for the prodigals. And, and we heard him say the prodigals are coming home and if you were at that service it was so incredibly powerful because god had us declare the names of those prodigals and to release them into the atmosphere to prophesy and we did that and that has not left my spirit has not gone far from my thoughts because i i do feel like it's very significant it's not a thing that we need to just walk past that we just need to move past to get to the next thing but it's something that god is going to begin to answer the prayers you know uh, when he says he gives us the desires of our heart i believe that he laid that on our heart for that and then as we begin to release those names he's going to say all right you asked for it and i'm gonna i'm gonna do it i'm gonna respond to that and so i want to talk today about the prodigal so if you'll turn with me to Matthew 15, verse 11. And I'm going to read the whole passage, um, this whole passage of Scripture. All of uh, Luke 15 is so yummy. It's really, really good. It's all about the Father's heart and how significant the one is to him. And so if you want to know how he feels about The lost one um, this is a great chapter for you to soak into uh for that i and this has been something that's um that has caught my attention uh and if you look at the the title and the passion translation for this passage of scripture is entitled the loving father it's not entitled the prodigal son and i think that's very significant because, see, we call him the prodigal son, but uh, that's not his identity now. That's not who he is. When we start out this story, he's lost, and and he's undone. But by the end of the story, he's back in union with the father. And when you think about it, don't we know most of the stories and um, the history of the Bible in people's past life? Who they were, not who they are. It's not... Uh, the woman that was healed of the issue of blood but we call her the woman with the issue of blood or um, um, I'm drawing a blank but stories like that instead of us uh, the 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 you know the leper we call him the leper he's not the leper anymore he was healed of that the the demoniac he's no longer the demoniac he's been healed of that and delivered of that so I think it's interesting how we uh, interact with, with the scripture and how we want to attach those uh, before God, those before titles to those things when those are not who those people are anymore. So I love the fact that this, uh, this is titled The Loving Father. Okay, so here we go. Verse 11, and I'm just going to read through this. And this is in the Passion Translation, so I tried to use the New King James Version. I really promise y'all I was going to read it out of, I was like, come on, God, we're going to do this one out of the New King James Version. People just, you know, associate better with that. We can do this. And then I was like, but my heart ached for this version. So, um, so here we go. then jesus said once there was a father with two sons the younger son came to his father and said father don't you think it's time to give me my share of your estate so the father went ahead and distributed between the two sons their inheritance verse 13 shortly afterward the younger son packed up all of his belongings and traveled off to see the world he journeyed to a far-off land where he soon wasted all he was given in a binge of extravagant and reckless living Verse 14, with everything spent and nothing left, he grew hungry because there was a severe famine in the land. So he begged a farmer in that country to hire him. The farmer hired him and sent him out to feed the pigs. Verse 16, the son was so famished, he was willing to eat the slop given to the pigs because no one would feed him a thing. Humiliated, the son finally realized what he was doing and he thought, There are many workers at my father's house who have all the food they want with plenty to spare. They lack nothing. Why am I here dying of hunger, feeding these pigs, and eating their slob? I want to go back home to my father's house. I'll say to him, Father, I was wrong. I have sinned against you. Verse 19, I'll never again be worthy to be called your son. Please, Father, just treat me like one of your employees. Verse 20, So the young man set off for home. From a long distance away, his father saw him coming, dressed as a beggar. And great compassion swelled up in his heart for his son who was returning home. The father raced out to meet him, swept him in his arms, hugged him dearly, and kissed him over and over with tender love. Then the son said, Father, I was wrong. I have sinned against you. I could never deserve to be called your son. Just let me be. The father interrupted and said, Son, you're home now. Verse 22. Turning to his servant, the father said, Quick, bring me the best robe, my very own robe. I will place it on your shoulders. Bring the ring, the seal of sonship, and I will put it on your finger. Bring out the best shoes you can find for my son. Let's prepare a great feast and celebrate. Verse 24. For my beloved son was once dead, but now he's alive. Once he was lost, but now he is found. And everyone celebrated with overflowing joy. Verse 25. Now the older son was out working in the field when his brother returned. And as he approached the house, he heard the music of celebration and dancing. He called over one of the servants and asked, what's going on? The servant replied, it's your younger brother. He's returned home and your father's throwing a party to celebrate his homecoming. The older son became angry and refused to go in to celebrate. So the father came out and pleaded with him, come and enjoy the feast with us. The son said, father, listen, how many years have I worked for you like a slave, performing every duty you've asked as a faithful son, and I've never once disobeyed you. But you've never thrown a party for me because of my faithfulness never once have you given me a a goat that i could feast on and celebrate with my friends as this son of yours is doing now verse 30 look at him he comes back after wasting your wealth on prostitutes and reckless living and here you are throwing him a great feast to celebrate for him the father said in verse 31 my son you are always with me by my side everything i have is yours to enjoy It's only right to rejoice and celebrate like this because your brother was once dead and gone, but now he is alive and back with us again. He was lost, but now he is found. Selah. It's not in there, but it seems like a good moment, right? so as we look back at verse 12 it says the younger son came to his father and said father don't you think it's time to give me a share of your estate and it says so the father went ahead and distributed between the two sons their inheritance and this is a very interesting passage because if you look at this historically this would have been a dishonoring a sign of dishonor to the father because a father didn't share his inheritance until he was dead and then at that point that inheritance would have been split between, um, well, typically the majority of it would have went to the older son, and then what was left would have been divided, uh, would have been given to the other, the other sons. And so just by him approaching his dad, you can sense a bit of pride in his life, right? That he would go to his father and he'd be like, hey, I want my, I want my stuff. I want my money. But what did the father do? He honored that, and he split it between the two sons. So not only did he give the younger son his portion, but that means he gave the older son his portion as well. But that would have looked historically as if the father was dead. I think that's really significant. So remember this. Let's look at the younger son. If you look at the definition of prodigal, it's a person who spends money in a reckless, extravagant way so that's why we call him the prodigal son right because scripture tells us that he squandered it all away on reckless living it's really hard because see as a as a uh, as a human being we see something like that as a parent and that's nothing we want to reward right like it's everything within us to not want to be angry or frustrated or punish we that's how we want to respond to that kind of behavior it's so hard not to be that you know um, but it's so interesting when you look at here, the father has already said, Hey, you asked for it, I'm going to give it to you. Whether he should, you know, whether he was deserving of it or he had earned it or not, the father was going to give to the son what he asked. Here he had taken his inheritance without any care or concern for its value and used it foolishly until that moment that he noticed, that he recognized how desperately he needed god he had found himself in swaller right he had found himself in the middle of a pig pen and for a jewish man that was nowhere he should be at pigs were considered unclean for him to just be there and the thought of him having uh, wanting to eat the slop that were being fed the pigs because he was so hungry went against everything that he knew himself to be. He would have had to have turned his back on everything that his family provided for him, his legacy, his heritage, his identity, his identity of who he was. But he had found himself in a place where that's all he had at his disposal. But in that moment where he was at the lowest of the low, he recognized his need. That is so hard. For one thing, it's hard to watch. It's hard to pray for someone. Have you ever been in that situation either yourself where you've allowed yourself to get into a deep, dark place where you're wallowing with the pigs, that you've become a slave to something? But also, have you ever experienced that with a loved one and you've seen them kind of go deeper and deeper into that yuck that place, that place of bondage. And it's so hard when you see that happen and you're praying and you're believing and you're wanting more for them. But here they have allowed themselves to get in this place. In Luke fifteen seventeen, it says humiliated. This is what the verse actually says. The son finally realized what he was doing and he thought, there are many workers at my father's house who have all the food they want, with plenty to spare, they lack nothing. Why am I here dying of hunger, feeding these pigs and eating their slop? In that moment, the son had a change of heart. In that moment, he realized his lack, the lack he had at himself, and how desperately he needed his father, and that he was willing to take the crumbs off of his father's table just to be back with him, right? He wasn't even going in arrogance and pride that pride had left. And he said, if I could just be in his house, it would be a better place to be a servant in my father's house than to be where I'm at now. And there's hope in that. There's hope in that. Verse 18, it says, it says that he, the son is beginning to, to talk about what he would say to his dad when he sees them. And it says, Father, I was wrong. I have sinned against you. He had that moment of clarity where he realized he had reached a point that he had nowhere else to go and nowhere else to turn. He could choose to stay where he was at or he could turn to the father. In verse 11, it says, I'll never again be worthy to be called your son. Please, Father, just treat me like one of your employees. He wasn't even looking to be brought back into the home because, see, he had already spent his inheritance, which that would have been his association with his father. And so he had separated his, his self from the father. And he was like, I, I don't even need that if you'll just let me come work. If you'll just let me come work for you. Guess what the father says when he meets him? I love verse 21. (laughs) He says, son, son. He didn't say, where have you been? And you smell horrible. And what have you gotten yourself into? Did he say that? And you can go out there and sleep in the back without anything. He said, son. And that's what he says to us. That's what he says to the one that turns their heart back. We live, uh, we talked about this in, uh, if you came to Well U, we talked about this idea that we want to punish. And Wade and I were just having this conversation on the way to church. Like, we want people to pay. We want them to pay. It's our culture. It's our nature. It's our judicial system, Right? And we want that. We want to punish people for their wrong acts. But instead, the father, he says, son. He says, son. He looks at you when you have broken the commandments, when you have broken covenant with him, when you feel like you have squandered everything. He looks at you and he says, son. And he says, daughter. You've not lost your identity. You lost your way. You lost your way. You lost sight of who he is. But he's still father. And you're still his. You're still his. And that's the prodigal. And as I'm talking about this, you may not be the prodigal, but I bet you know one. You've got one in your life. You've got one close to you. Or maybe you do feel like the prodigal. You see there, I'll hold off on that. So the father was ready to receive him. He said, let's celebrate. Let's put the robe on him. I'm going to drape him not in just any robe, but in my robe. And what robe is that? That's the robe of righteousness, isn't it? That's the robe of righteousness. He said let me let me put this robe on you son I'm gonna put this ring on this signet ring that bears the emblem of our family I'm coming into covenant with you that anyone that sees you with this ring on will identify you as mine that you are my son you are my daughter and then this really stood out to me and I haven't heard it taught much but then he put sandals on his feet because he would have been a slave for the previous owner when he was working in that pig pen, and it would not have been customary for a slave to wear shoes. And a slave, when we talk about in biblical times, we're talking about usually someone that was paying restitution or that owed a debt, and in this situation, the prodigal was probably working for food and a place to stay. This is not someone that has been captured and brought and has been bought and being forced to do something beyond their will that is not what a slave is in scripture but i think it's really interesting about these shoes those shoes took him from slave to son took him from slave to son here he has robed him in this garment put the ring upon his finger and put sandals on his feet he's identifying him as son not a prodigal not the one who had squandered it all away in that moment he identified him as his son when it seems too much has happened and too much has gone on but your heart longs for the father he's there with a ring a robe and shoes It's a beautiful story it's a beautiful story and as we declared the word over those prodigals about four weeks ago I guess maybe five weeks ago as we began to do that um, it was a really amazing thing um, to hear those names come forth but uh, I don't know that we had the foresight to see what that would look like when those prodigals began to come in And so we have to be prepared to take them to the Father. We've got to be ready to take them to the Father so that he can robe them, he can clothe them, he can put a ring on their finger, and he can put shoes on their feet because you are no longer a slave. I I love that song, like, no longer slaves. I just I love that song because there is freedom in him. There is freedom and he doesn't keep you there. He does not keep you there. We keep ourselves there. We identify as a slave. He does not identify us that way. You are a son and a daughter. He has clothed you and put a ring on your finger. He has come into covenant with you. And he does not look at you any different. That father saw a son coming down the road. He saw a son coming down the road. Because he bared the image of his father. And we all bear the image of our Father, every single one of us. And so as we prepare for these prodigals to come forth, we need to prepare our hearts to not want to punish, to not want to punish them, but to remember that they bear the image of the Creator. They bear the image of their Father. And we need to love them. And we need to take them to the King. We need to take them to the Father and let him do the work in their life. Because see, this prodigal, he already knew. He already knew how bad and wretched he was. Most of us don't have a hard time understanding that part of our life, right? We're pretty good at recognizing all the ways we fall short. If we don't, then other people like to remind us. (laughs) But that's not who he says we are. But see, there, there are two, two storylines here, which I find very interesting. And we just talking about the prodigal, the lost son, the son that needed to come back to the father. But then you've got the older brother, who should have been at a higher station in the house, right? And so I find this interesting because the older son was very frustrated. He was very angry at the way his father was treating His younger brother he was not happy about it and in verse 29 it says he says i've never once obeyed you where's my party you've not treated me this way you've never done that for me and in that moment i think like we were talking about like katie mentioned it's that religious spirit that wants to come up in us like you haven't celebrated me who am I I've been working for you that that older brother has been busy doing the the Martha stuff right been busy working it keeping the laws keeping the commandments doing the religious duty that I'm supposed to do he actually says I've worked for you like a slave that's what he said that older son identified as a slave and not as a son in his own house here he was the father says my son in verse 31 you are always with me by my side everything I have is yours I gave it all to you remember back in verse 12 he said that he gave them both their inheritance he gave that younger that older son full access to his kingdom Full access to the house but yet all he could see he was blinded by the works of the situation he was blinded by this identity that he was a slave that he had not stepped into who God said that he was he had not taken up the ring and the robe he might have had shoes on his feet but he didn't walk in that right he didn't walk like he was the son that had a father, that had given him everything. You have access to everything. And so as a body, sometimes, sometimes we can be like that older son and we can see God moving in other people's lives and we can see God using other people and we can have that same kind of attitude as the older son. But God, I pray, I spend time with you But you've not treated me that way. And it's not about the father because he's saying, look, Sophie, I've given you full access. You can have as much as you want. But it's on her to make that decision. It's on her to make the decision to access all that he has given. It's on her. Instead of having a, a religious spirit or mindset About, well, why didn't you do that for me? And so the father goes on to say he was lost, but now he is found in verse 31. He said, you should celebrate the fact that your brother has been found. So when we see God loving on someone, that's a moment for us to celebrate who God is. That's a moment for us to celebrate the fact that he is embracing them in a way, not for us to pass punishment or look at them and think, why is God doing that for them? Nobody ever done that? Kind of steps on our toes a little bit, right? But that's because we don't recognize who we are, that we are sons and daughters too. And you have access to everything everything when we when we come into a service in your life um with christ he has set a banquet table for you and you can eat from that whatever you want do you guys ever have you ever been to golden corral i think up here that's kind of a specialty in the south we have buffets on every corner so buffet eating is not a special thing that's like the horse trough for us, we're all like going moseying on up to the slop pile and we're just all going to dig in. Um, but up here, I remember when the Golden Corral came into South Bend, it was a thing. Like, people were like, there's a Golden Corral. So, um, anyway, you know my favorite part about Golden Corral is their salad bar. What's my favorite part. I just love, there's so many options on that salad bar. And I'll, I'll eat salad first. It's probably the worst use of money. Lettuce, a pile of lettuce and cucumbers. Right? I should be eating steak and crab legs and shrimp. That's what I should be eating off that buffet. But instead, I'm like, ooh, some little ham chunks. And I'll take some of that turkey. And they've got beets. Ooh, anybody like a beet in a salad? <laughs> And something about their ranch dressing. I know it comes out of a big bottle, but I don't know. When I pour it on there, it's good stuff. I know know that sounds silly, but I promise I'm going somewhere. (laughs) I'm just saying I have access to that whole salad bar. I mean, that whole buffet. And I'm like living over here in this one little corner (laughs) when I could be enjoying all of it. Wade, Sophie, actually, you know what her favorite part is? The dessert bar (laughs) maybe not as much now that she's gotten a little older but man that was exciting stuff (laughs) and rolls (laughs) rolls so i i think it is so significantly important that you realize your access you don't have to look at someone else and feel like that they have more access than you do that is not true don't have the, the mind of that older son that said, well, that's just for them. He's just going to use them. He's not going to use me like that. Or get angry at the father because he hasn't. And honestly, I think uh, when I was a younger Christian, and maybe in a different season of life, I read this story and differently, and I agreed with the older son. I was like, yeah, God, why didn't you? <laughs> why did you do that? But I had yet to understand my identity. I had yet to understand who I was and my access. He's like, look, I'm not doing anything special, but we will celebrate when a lost one comes in. We will celebrate when a lost one comes in. And so today you get to decide, are you going to live like that older son? Or are you going to say, I need my father, like that younger son, and allow him to clothe you and seal you and seat you as a son and a daughter? So I have a. So at the end of May, I heard him speak the prodigals are coming home. Well, it was just a few days later that we, I think it was within that next week, we were at Praise and Presence, and I had gotten a prodigal that we had called out, had reached out to me, randomly, and in the moment, I was like, "Where did this, it was random, very random, <laughs> and I was like, what? You know, you just answer the text or whatever. That was earlier in the day before we got to praise a presence. And so I had this kind of short casual conversation with this prodigal, with this lost son or daughter. I'm gonna call him that. And I, you know, I interacted with them and and shared. Um, but maybe I wasn't in the right frame of mind because in that moment I didn't recognize that it was a lost son or daughter. I just looked at it as just a conversation. But when I was in praise and presence, you know, when you get to that place where you can quiet yourself so that God can speak to you. But when I was in praise and presence, he said, see, I, I gave you the desire of your heart. You just asked for the prodigals you just declared that the prodigals were coming home and i sent you one what are you gonna do what are you gonna do and so i was like oh, all right i feel like he's always straightening me up i don't know how god is with y'all <laughs> i was like god it humbled me because i thought you're right you did what should I say? What should I say? And my heart broke, because I recognized it wasn't just a random text, but it was an assignment. And I needed to let them know that God's arms were open, and that they were welcome wherever He was, because they're a son and a daughter. And when they're ready, He's waiting. And so, I have to tell you that if on that day you release names, you need not be surprised when you get a random text. You need not be surprised when you get a random drop-by. It's not random. It's not. It's significant. And it's a moment for us to lead them to the Father. And we cannot punish people. We are not the judge and the jury, and that is not going to be easy to do because it's not in our human nature to be that way, but God said his desire is that none would die without knowing him, not a single one, and we cannot say at the well, this is what really got me. This is what he, how he got me. <laughs> I'm just going to be really transparent here. He said, But you say everyone is welcome at the well. Are they? We cannot put that out there and not be willing to receive. And this is a moment for God to correct our hearts as a group of people. And it may hurt our flesh a little bit because there are hurts and pains and there are things that we want to keep at a distance because it's hard and because we don't have all the answers. But God does. We just have to be willing to allow them to come to the table, to come to the table wants all the lost ones to come home how bad do we want to see them seated at the table how bad do we want to see those lost ones seated there and then when they come in and God begins to bless them and pour out upon them we celebrate we celebrate that victory we celebrate them because we know who we are we know that by valuing them does not mean that we are devalued And so I had to go back to that conversation. Thank the Lord for the Holy Spirit. I don't know about y'all, but sometimes I just don't have the words. And it's okay to take a minute. Because sometimes we got to wrestle things out a little bit and get our head and our heart right. Our soul, our mind, our will, and emotions have to line up with the Holy Spirit. And that takes a minute. But when I didn't know what to say... The Holy Spirit did. And I sent it immediately. And I have not seen that person come through the door yet. And whether they come into this door or another door, I know that God is going to wait, be standing there waiting for them to clothe them, to seat them, and to put shoes on their feet. He is. That's what he's going to do. We want to thank you for listening in today. At The Well, we believe in cultivating a culture for more of God. Wherever you are in your relationship and walk with God, we believe that there is always more for those who diligently seek after him. If you would like to find out more, please check out our website at thewellmichigan.com and connect with us on social media.